Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, here are the co-authors of The Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. I'm Stephanie Everett. And I'm Zach Glazer. And this is episode 362 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, Stephanie is talking with lab coach Mary Ellen Stockton about how small firms can win in the war for talent in 2022. Today's podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists and Postali. And we wouldn't be able to do this show without their support. So stay tuned because we're going to tell you more about them in a little bit. So, Stephanie, this is uh, the first episode of the new year. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Um, I hope everybody's having a good one so far. And one of the things I was thinking about recently is how when I came to Lawyerist, I saw a lot of people that planned their their year, did some yearly reckoning and and thinking about the year coming in. And that was that was new for me. And it's a fascinating thing. Yeah, I've been doing this for a while. I started with a passion planner years ago. And it has you map out, you know, three-year goals or or long-term goals and then Mm three-year goals and one-year goals and then three-month goals for your personal life. And so for me, I always tend to be around, you know, some financial goals, relationships. Like I usually put down how many vacations I want to take with my family in a year or a monthly date night goal, like that my husband and I actually do a date. I think that's on my list every year. I don't know that we've achieved it much, especially in the pandemic, but it's going to go back on the list because it's a good goal to strive for. But you then I, I kind of think about professional development goals, like where do I want to mm-hmm. be professionally at the end of this year or in the long term or things that I want to learn or accomplish and impact I want to have in the community. So I think about, you know, volunteer work I do, organizations I support, like where do I want to put my energy this year? And I'm map it all out. And obviously people can do this, you know, anytime, but it's, it's a nice time to do it at the new year. And I've noticed that my wife and I'll sit down and come up with goals sporadically, periodically, and we'll have those, but we won't have it written down somewhere, or we won't have, we won't have a tradition out of it. And I think that having the ability to look back and say, here's what we thought was going to be important this year. And here's what we think is going to be important this coming year and being able to look back at that and see how the, how the years happen, much like we do with our businesses, but for our personal life. And I I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. And I like having it written in a place. So because I'm the weird nerd, but maybe, you know, lawyers will appreciate this. (laughs) I don't throw my planners away, right? Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but if anyone has ever asked me what I did on Wednesday, you know, November 16th, 27th, Whatever, ninety seven. Well, we, we all know that that can be that can be brought in as evidence, you know. So <laughs> I know, but just keep that. But yeah, I keep all my planners, and then. But the nice thing about like the passion planner is because it has this exercise in the front of it, and maybe the lawyer's planner does too. I should say because we came out with a planner a couple of years ago, is that I have it for those years past, and so it's very mm-hmm. easy for me. And I have done this from time to time, where it's fun after I complete this year's exercise. 
I'm kind of weird about it. Like I don't look at what my goals were for the previous year until I've done it for this year. I know that's so, that's so dumb, but I have like a rule. Like I don't want to, I don't know if I don't want to influence it or I have no idea, but I'm, I'm weird about it. But then afterwards I give my procession, myself permission to look back. And I have been pleasantly surprised at some of the things that were seemed really important to me a couple of years ago. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I did that. And I did it faster than I thought it was going to be. Or maybe I did it in a different way, but Mm -hmm. it totally came true. And that's always fun. That would be fascinating because I I think of it as the possibility of, you know, you know, when you you find a, a stash of the papers that you wrote in college. And you start yeah. to read a little bit of them and you're like, oh my goodness, I was not very bright. I, 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 I wrote, you know, and so I, I've got the fear of that if I keep to, if I keep track of what I wanted the year before. But I think, I think that's probably the way you're saying it is probably more likely what's going to happen is you're going to look at it and go, yeah, those were my, my goals. I did stick with that and maybe I didn't stick with some of them, but here's why. Yeah. When we moved this year, I finally threw away all the college blue books. I was like, I really, I don't think I need these anymore. And I'll, I'll also date myself. On the cover, we had to put our social security number on the front of every test we turned or every assignment we turned in in college. Isn't that hysterical to think about oh, in today's man. world? Oh, man. Yeah. No, we we had... Uh... Student ID numbers, but <laughs> no, I didn't. But yeah. yeah, we used our social, <laughs> and so um, so I had to burn them all because I don't know, I didn't. I was like, my shredder was broken, so I was like, well, I'll just burn them. <laughs> That's a good, it's a good exercise anyway, kind of getting getting past that. But yeah, I keep those things and look back at them, and uh, yeah, I know I still have the one L writing assignments that bleed. I haven't given those up yet, but I did get rid of all of college. I was like, okay, I'm done with college. <laughs> I'm sure you're in good company with a lot of our listeners too. I'm sure there are a bunch of them that that have just, you know, banker boxes full of the stuff that they've written because, you know, people put a lot of effort into that stuff. Yeah. But maybe now in the new year, it's also a good time to shed things. So maybe part of this is a, is planning what you want to do in the new year and what your goals will be. And maybe part of it is I can let go of some things. Mm, just a, a general catharsis. Yeah. Yeah. Be nice. All right. Well, now we'll have my conversation with Mary Ellen. Hi, this is Mary Ellen Stockton with Work Well Wherever. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. Hey, Mary Ellen. Welcome back to the show. Our favorite HR remote team work lab coach. I had to think about all the things you cover. You cover lots of areas. (laughs) I do. I do. So I think today it's the first of the year. It's a new year. I love New Year's. I love getting my new planner out and writing on it. You still have a paper planner? Well, it's funny. Actually, I got rid of it. Like during the pandemic, I kind of just stopped using it. And then in 2021, I didn't buy one because why? Yeah. And then I got really excited and I was like, you know what? I'm going back to it. And so I just bought one for 2022 and I've been filling it in. I have all my colored markers and stickers. (laughs) So I think yes. I I do like that too, but then I found like I would buy it and then not use it. No, I have it sitting on my desk and so I use it every day. So anyway, but it is a new year and I think, look, we keep saying this, like we're coming out of this thing and and it's changing. Who knows where we are, but I think it's, (laughs) I think it's fair to say 2022 is still going to have its challenges. And I guess I'm just kind of curious from your perspective Coming into a new year, what do you think are a few of the biggest challenges facing employers specifically? 
Mm. It's hard to just narrow it down. (laughs) But I do think that we'll see this return to office, even though it's slightly delayed because of the Omicron variant that was raging in in December. But there's going to be this hybrid model, which is still a challenge, not that we can't overcome, but it's a challenge. And then the war for talent continues in so many ways. So I think we did see, you know, a slight increase in new roles, people finding jobs in November and December. But I think this war is not over yet. Yeah. Well, let's dig into that because I think people are struggling and maybe we can help them some on this call today. I guess when we think about people coming back to the office and maybe some people are already back and, you know, everyone's kind of feeling their way around this. What's one thing that you think the employer should be thinking about in terms of bringing their team back that maybe isn't really on their radar yet? Mm, Yeah. I was talking to like friends and looking at different stuff because because there's this hybrid increase, I think that they said that over about half will be in this hybrid model, meaning a few days in the office and a few days at home. And so with that, any return to office, I think you need to have a way to transition your existing team and any new employees you brought on uh, during COVID back to the office. And so there's this concept floating around of re-onboarding which just means you have this onboarding process when you welcome new employees and orient them. And this concept of re-onboarding, not just the new employees that you've hired during COVID, but also your existing team that's been around for years because there are updates and policies and changes and maybe dress code and meetings and culture. And so I really think it's it's a great way to like re-engage your team. Yeah. I know you mentioned dress code. I'm like, I don't think people are too excited about getting dressed up again. No, me included. But. <laughs> I know. I had to wear real shoes recently and I was like, oh yeah, that's what this is like all day. <laughs> yeah. Well, just going through your closet and looking at all the stuff that you haven't worn over the past couple of years is also a challenge, right? It takes us a little longer to get started. Yeah. And so in this idea of re-onboarding, and so it wouldn't necessarily just be for people you added to your team during COVID because that's... Like there's so many different scenarios I can think of, but like, like for us, like we added new team members during COVID that we've never met. Absolutely. So there's an idea of, okay, you had your online onboarding. Now we have to do something different that we're coming into the office. And how do we get those people familiar with how we work in the office? Is that a part of this? Absolutely. And I think if we, you know, I was thinking about how do you make it successful when you do that? Because it is like a big change. And, you know, I'm sure you've read like all these people have delayed the return to the office, you know, like I think Airbnb was set in January and then they delayed it till September and then there's still going to be this hybrid thing. So I think one of the things is to think about as if you were onboarding your whole team again. So how did you make them feel welcome when you did that, you know, virtually or, you know, in person? So thinking about a little added surprise as they return back to the office. And then maybe you, you know, do that in groups or teams so that people get to know each other. Because I think there's this whole aspect of, especially if someone was hired remotely, but even people that, you know, knew each other, but haven't been in the same place for two years, you know, think about different ways that you can connect with people. 
And then also connecting more often, like doing check-ins more often during this re-onboarding process to like survey the team, see how it's going. Maybe, you know, holding meetings to like where it's just a Q&A to ask questions. But I think it is super important because it's going to be hard for everybody, even if it is just getting dressed, right? It's going to be hard. Yeah. And one of the things I've noticed as I've kind of gone to some in-person events recently and I, I would always tell you I'm a super extroverted person, right? Like I love being around people, but I even noticed that my energy level was so drained because I'm not used to having to be around people and interacting with people for a long period of time. And so I'm curious, like as people kind of go back to the office, I would imagine your energy levels are going to shift because you're not used to doing that. Something that was so normal before is going to feel different and probably be more draining. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts around how employers can take care of their team in that way. Yeah, totally. Because I'm also an extreme extrovert. And I, you know, just went to, as the holidays are approaching and people are feeling like getting back together, it was kind of a networking event that I went to last week. And I also felt drained, which is interesting for me because I normally don't, right? We get our energy from being around around people, but it does take some adjustments. So I think knowing that, you know, bringing this up is a great, great thought just to start knowing that as people return to the office to, to be aware of that. So don't push too many social things and like gauge your team, you know, take it slow. And maybe it's, you know, I think with the re-onboarding thing, maybe it's not mandatory. You know, I haven't ever, you know, thought about that, but it encouraged, maybe it's more for like new employees that were hired, but then encouraged for them to come back and connect. And so then that kind of puts people back where they have a choice on, you know, when they're ready to engage, because it is like an ease in process. I mean, I, I was very much surprised <laughs> right. with myself, you know? Yeah. I know. Me too. I was like, oh, wow, this, this is a thing. And I've never experienced it before because I like <laughs> Same. I, I know. <laughs> so even your extroverted people are going to have different energy levels. And so I think, I think that's right. I think just saying that to the team and, and telling everyone it's okay if you do need some adjustment back. And I think also talking about kind of the elephant in the room, which is COVID. I mean, there's so many times where I feel like my personal comfort level with how I want to interact with people has is like a roller coaster because just when I think we're doing okay, then a new thing pops up. Right. And so yes. I think we have to acknowledge that and we have to give space for people to be okay with changes. Like how can yes. I, maybe I'm okay coming to the office, but I'm not okay doing this other thing. And I need permission that 10 days from now I can change my mind on that because yeah. the world keeps changing and looking different. Yeah. So maybe it's the time for, you know, like that's what I was thinking about, you know, when you're talking about more check-ins, it really is getting a pulse more often of where your team is, you know, so maybe even when they're coming back to the office, it's, um, I know like Laris does something similar and I have a lot of companies that do it where it's like a, all about me to get to know your employee maybe there's something similar that you could add as the return to the office, you know, that has a few elements of like, how comfortable do you feel? And how do you prefer to like engage during this time and all those kind of things just to, you know, talk about it. Yeah. And just ask the questions. I mean, luckily, two of our team members live in Atlanta. So I was able to go out to lunch with them yesterday. And it was the first time that we'd all gone out to lunch. And we got to the restaurant. And I was like, wait, is everyone okay sitting inside? Should we sit on the patio? And and we're lucky because we live in the South and 
we could sit outside. It's actually, nice. yeah, it was really nice. <laughs> but then one of my team members was like, oh yeah, but thanks for asking because, you know, like it's just a simple thing, but you just don't assume things that we might've assumed, like in a pre-COVID world, I would have never asked someone like, are you comfortable sitting inside breathing yes. the same air as somebody else? But now, you know, we need to ask those questions. So yeah, or I'm a hugger. And so right. I find That's myself, so ah, can I give you a hug? Like just asking the questions. And if, if they're not comfortable with it, then I don't do it. But I definitely have had to stop myself. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, on the, we do do the all about you when you join the team. We actually have a new tool that we've started using. So we have a weekly team check-in online that's, you know, virtual. But before everybody comes into the call, they're able to, to rate how they're feeling on a scale of one to 10. And then mm -hmm. if they want, they can actually put feelings associate it with it so they can decide if they want to put make that public or not but as a team lead I can see if like five people say they're feeling tired maybe I can then say hey let's cut this meeting short because everyone is really feeling tired today and our energy is low yeah and so that as a team lead that's just been super helpful to actually have people check in in a real different way at the start of our team meetings yeah I love that and you just use like a little online tool that pops up so they can easily yeah I love it yeah. So re-onboarding, I think, sounds like a great idea for everyone on the team. And, and I would imagine you're covering all these things, what our team culture's like, how we work. Yes. I think that's probably, you know, you mentioned the hybrid model. And if people aren't aware, I think hybrid is probably the most challenging model, right? Like if, Absolutely. You're, if you're all in the office, it's one thing. If you're all remote, it's another. But the idea that you're kind of straddling both seems yeah. especially challenging for most companies. Yeah. And for, you know, leaders of teams, like I was talking with a friend this week who, who leads a team and they're working on this hybrid model. And she was saying, you know, we were talking about it and I said, I think it is challenging, but one of the biggest things is the equity between, you know, if she was coming into the office as a leader, which she's not at this point, but at some point she will, and then some other people feel more comfortable coming in, then making sure that you have a time set where everybody talks, you know, where everybody engages. And pre-COVID, um, when you had a remote team, and lawyers does this, you meet in person and you have that set out in advance how many times you meet in a year. So I think thinking about that going forward as people return to the office and maybe you have people that are only in the office two days a week, what does it look like for the next year, if possible, for you to meet in teams as a person and, you know, keep that connection going so that people that are in the office or remote don't get overlooked? Yeah, I know that's such good advice. We're going to have our first all team in person meeting in several years and everybody is vaccinated and feels OK doing that. And we're doing that in January. That's exciting. It is because we're like, oh, yes, we haven't all connected because there is something special that happens when you have a meal with someone, right? Like there you just is. have different conversations than you can have online. And so, yeah, even when we were fully remote before the pandemic, we still saw each other and you end up seeing a lot of people pretty routinely. Like I would yeah. usually would go, you know, no more than a month or two without seeing someone on the team in person. Yeah. And of course, all that changed. Yeah. And it's been hard. I mean, because I've worked remotely for nine years, you know, with the company and now on my own. And that's the biggest part that I missed, right? Just being around people. <laughs> so, you know, being intentional about and planning in advance is the best you can. 
meeting in person. Yeah, I love that. And I think companies are starting to get okay doing it. I'm facilitating an in-person retreat for a team in January, and we're just going to have everyone test the day before the meeting. But absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there's ways you can do it and be safe. Yeah. I think some companies, you know, another friend of mine works for a big company here in Atlanta, and she was saying that they, she doesn't go into the office every day, but every day that she does, they just apply you with tests and you just take a test before you go in. So yeah, there are ways. So let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. When we come back, we got to tackle the fight for talent because that's a real challenge. Let's do it. The Lawyers Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case? Well, that's where Posh comes in. Posh is a team of professional, U.S.-based live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7, 365. They answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. And the convenient Posh app puts you in total control of when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to Lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com forward slash Lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh Live Virtual Receptionist Services. That's posh.com forward slash Lawyerist. And from Postali. Finding a marketing partner for your firm can be challenging. Are you getting sound advice? Is your marketing agency always working in your best interest? You shouldn't have to worry about these things. At Postali, they believe marketing companies should adopt the same duty to their clients that is required of the legal profession. For this reason, they require that all team members sign a fiduciary oath to act in good faith and put clients' best interests ahead of their own. They service with care, candor, and loyalty. Postali is a full-service digital marketing agency exclusively for lawyers. To learn more about how they're different, visit postali.com forward slash lawyerist. All right. So we're back with Mary Ellen. And I think one of the challenges, unfortunately, that is going to continue to stay with us in 2022 is this idea of the fight for talent. People have even called it a war. I mean, it does feel a little bloody out there in the marketplace right now. It's not, <laughs> yeah. it is tough. It is tough. And especially for attorneys, right? Like we, you work with so many and I work with so many and I have lots of friends and family. There is this poaching and signing bonuses and <laughs> all these things, right? Yeah. And so I was going to ask, like, what do you see as some of the bigger challenges when we, when we frame it up as a fight for talent, I guess, how is that showing up for the people that you work with? Yeah. Well, it is, especially like, I think that there is still this, you know, fight for flexibility. So that's, that's part of it, which I think we all know will, will continue. But I think that there's some compensation, you know, increases just across the board. So I read that it's going to be the highest, you know, pay increase in over a decade. I think it's up like the pay increases, the average are like 3.4%. Some of it's inflation, but the other part is for new hires. So when we think about that, you know, how do you creatively as a small business, you know, compensate well, what goes into that? And I think people are looking just strictly at the numbers, but we need to think about the total package when it comes to compensation. Yeah. Cause I think 
This becomes more of a challenge if you're a solo small firm lawyer, because you may be thinking, you know, I can't compete with the big firms. Like the starting salaries we're seeing out of some of the big firms these days are insane. Let's just call it yes, that because they are. Yeah. The $100,000 signing bonuses. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so it could be frustrating, right? It, that could be like, you could be sitting there thinking, how can I ever compete with that? And so what do you tell that firm when you're, when they're, they're faced against that and they're like, I don't even know how I compete. Yeah. And I, I get that a lot. And I'm, I'm sure you do too. You know, it's thinking about you as a small firm or a small to mid-sized firm have a competitive advantage over the big guys in so many ways. And when it comes to talent, let's think about how we build out that benefits package. You know, so is it a more flexible environment? It doesn't have to mean that it's remote, but maybe there is a hybrid or there's some kind of like flexible hours or those kind of things. You know, how you structure, maybe it's more time off. Maybe it's the culture that you've created. Like in all these things, you know, a job posting is much like a sales, <laughs> you know, posting like try like a sales and marketing, not to be, you know, where you're not telling the truth, but you really want to paint a clear picture of what's involved. And so I always encourage people to think about the benefits package, but especially because we know there is that competitive thing, but there's so many things other than just salary. Yeah. And maybe you want to touch on like some of the things that lawyer says, like your remote team, but like when it comes to building out that package, what does it yeah. look like? So this actually ended up being my priority this quarter as the, you know, my new role as CEO, I undertook a whole quarter to really focus on what is our compensation philosophy and our benefits package that we're going to offer in the new year. And in doing a lot of research around that, I think one of the things that I realized that's so important and easy is being transparent. And so if mm. you think about just the idea of how do you talk about your compensation, like this base thing that everyone on your team is going to have, because people have ideas about compensation that they bring from other places, right? So somewhere along the way, like ideas around, well, do I get a raise when I've been here for a year, mm -hmm. right? Or do I get a cost of living adjustment every year or how do, if, if I don't get a raise, is it because I'm not doing a good job at, in January, right. right? Like people have these ideas that could be, have nothing to do with your company <laughs> and right. They <laughs> totally. just, right. They learned it somewhere. They heard it somewhere. And so one of the things that we wanted to set out to do was just be really clear and transparent about here is how we as a company are going to think about compensation. And so we mm. have base compensation and here's how we go about setting it. Here's how we think about it. Here's when we're going to evaluate it. So we said in our comp philosophy that we shared with the entire team, you know, you will not get a raise when you've been here for a year. That's not how we're thinking about it, right? Or you might not get just a cost of living adjustment. We are using this other model. And so we set out, this is the model we're using. Here's how we're going to evaluate it every year. By the way, it starts by saying we're small but mighty. Yeah. Like we're a small team at the end of the day. And so we try to be competitive and make sure we're paying everyone a fair market rate based on companies of similar size to us in our, in our industry. We were very clear you could go and make more in other places. Right. And I even said, like, we're not paying you hazard pay for a toxic work environment, though. Right. So that that's the benefit. <laughs> like, there's, yeah. there's a flip side. But, you know, just to be really clear, like, I can't pay you the same thing other people are paying. But here's how I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to offer all these other things 
that I think make this a really special place to work. After I presented this to our team, they were over the moon and delighted and so appreciative. And people kept coming to me and saying, I just can't believe the transparency and the clarity that I now have about this fundamental part of my life, if you think about it, yes, right? Because yes. this impacts everyone. Yes. And I think sometimes people are hesitant to talk about it, right? I mean, you just seem hesitant, like with finances or like with anything. But I think if you feel comfortable with being more transparent and maybe it's baby steps, right? But it says a lot. And especially, I love that you explained what your philosophy was. That's so important. You know, I think that people just think, oh, that's something that we don't talk about. But people need to know, right? It's, it is different. We're going to, you know, reward you and, and bonus based on these things so that they know what to expect. I always say it over and over again, clear expectations, you know, and that's in everything. So yeah. I love that. Podcast listeners will know that, you know, I kind of hinted about this on an, a recent episode, but one of the things we've done, and I'm going to probably be talking about this a lot because I'm really excited. We've always had a profit sharing pool where we've put a percentage of our profit into a bonus pool that we've bonused out. But the thing that I changed going forward is we are going to share that profit pool equally. So mm. everyone on the team, like, so your, your salary compensates you for your expertise and your responsibility level and the work that you do in the business. And I've been preaching this to owners for years, right? Like you should get <laughs> a market rate for the work you do. And then your profits are your return of your, on the investment you made in the business. We're kind of doing the same thing with our team. And so they have their salary, but now with the profit, it used to be that the formula kind of rewarded people who were paid more with a bigger percentage of that profit bonus. Mm, yeah. And it really made sense to me that I was like, why are we doing that? So now we're reallocating it and just saying, look, it's really simple. If the company makes... Now, I can't remember. I, I won't be able to do math on the spot, but let's say the company made it enough <laughs> that 10% that of the profits is $1,000. So we have $1,000 of profit bonuses to distribute. We're And there's 10 people on the team. Everyone gets $100. So the receptionist gets the same share as the CEO because at the yes. end of the day, everyone on the team is directly impacting our profitability and making a difference and what that does is if you do it in a vacuum, it might not have this impact. But what we're doing is every month we're talking about our profits in big buckets, right? Like we're not sharing all the, all details, the details of the finances, right. but there's like five numbers, you know, that we can share or five big categories. And it's like, here's the profit we made this month. People are going to see that it changes from month to month. And we're going to have conversations around this thing we did impacted it this way or or whatever it may look like. But if we have that conversation and transparency, I think that's how you get the alignment and the engagement for everyone to be focused on. And not that we're, and I told the team this, I was like, guys, we're never going to become a team that's just like all about the money. Like at the end of the day, that's our culture is bigger than that. Right. But this is an essential component of why we exist and what we do. And so I want them to understand how their bottom line paychecks are getting impacted by the decisions we're making as a team. Absolutely. And how their role, I mean, because just as you said, everybody's role makes a difference in, you know, increasing revenue or decreasing costs, right? And that's not the only thing, but I love that, that you guys are going through that. I'm just curious, what made you kind of do this, you know, have this goal of re-looking at, you know, compensation and the package and what you guys, you know, are offering, what, what sparked it? Well, honestly, a couple of things. 
probably one is, as everyone knows, because we just talked about it on last week's show, our two co-founders of the team no longer have like a day-to-day role in the business. So I'm now the CEO of the business. And it was at the end of the year, we were making compensation decisions. And I was kind of looking like, hey, I need some guidelines. Like I'm now in this role and we've kind of all, I think probably this would resonate with people. You kind of, I want to say like fumble your way through it with when it comes to comp decisions. Like we just kind of had a feel, we had a gut instinct, but yes. I was like, okay, I'm now the sole executive on our team and I'm reporting to the owners essentially at the end of the day, but mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not going to have the owners here with me every day to have these conversations and make these decisions. And so I was like, I need some guidelines around how should I be thinking about people's comp on our team? And so I realized that not only did I need the guidelines, but everyone on the team needed those guidelines. Mm. And so that's when I started researching about compensation philosophies. And I was like, everything just made sense that, of course, we should be more transparent with this and have a written document that everyone can see that spells out. So there are no questions. This is how I'm going to approach comp decisions, um, you know, yes. so that everyone knows. And then we can have real conversations around it. And then I think just a natural component of that is I is like, well, let me just take a fresh look at our benefits. And I wanted to make sure our benefits aligned with our values. And Mm. so I'm super proud. Like, honestly, one of the most, I mean, I'm just going to brag for a second because. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) I was so proud of this. Like, I am now able to offer mental health services to everyone on our team. So I found this company that we're now partnering with. And so everyone on the team gets the unlimited ability to ask a therapist a question and get a thoughtful response, but then they can also schedule video sessions with therapists whenever they need to. And it includes like our entire management team in January is going to get trained from a therapist on how we as managers can do more to support the mental health of our team. So what kind of things can we be looking out for? What kind of questions can we ask or all this amazing stuff that we know we need. And I always feel so ill-equipped because I'm not, I'm not a trained therapist. (laughs) No, no. I love that you brought that up because that is another trend that I see, right? Like we've had this crazy, just as you and I talked about re-engaging with people and people are returning to work there, like mental health has taken a toll on, on all of us. And so I love that piece and it kind of transitions into, you know, when we were talking about for everybody listening, there's so much beyond salary. So if you have a remote team, like thinking about what else you can add. So I always say, look at the perks that you provided and what people enjoyed about being in the office and flip those on their head. And let's talk about if it was lunch, you know, then maybe we have set times where if you're going back to the office, there's a set time that everybody comes in, talk about those meetings. Maybe it's a home office benefit. Maybe it's a professional development budget. Maybe it's adding a mental health component and you don't have to do all these things, just slowly review your benefits package and think about, you know, what could you add? Right. And I mean, for me, I was just so proud as everyone, if you're a longtime listener, you know, we have been an advocate for mental health in our profession for years. And so Mm. I was like, I need for this to show up in a real tangible way for my team. Like I want to be able to offer this because we were big proponents. And so how can I do this in a real way? And so I think my team feels that as well. Like everybody was just super excited when we announced this new benefit and people were like, yes, like you are backing up. This is our values in action, Mm, right? mm -hmm. Like we talk about it all the time. And now I'm able to say, yeah, everyone on my team can go see a therapist when they need to. 
Yeah. And that is amazing feeling as a team leader. And it wasn't as expensive as I thought it was going to be. It may sound like, cause like this isn't crazy money. Like this wasn't right. big company money. Like it was actually really reasonable. So I was like, oh, this is amazing. And so I feel so great. And so I think it it is that it's looking at what's important to you as a, as a company and then really aligning and backing up, you know, so some of the lawyers in lab have been looking at their bonus structures lately and they're like, am I incentivizing the things I say are important? Yes. Yes. I love the the values and action part. It's so important. I think that I probably say that to the labsters too. <laughs> okay. Like here's your values, but put those in an action. And so aligning those with like benefits and, and those kind of things is, is amazing. Yeah. I guess like, yeah, as we kind of wrap up, this is something where you and I are actively working with members in our lab community on and really encouraging everyone to take a fresh look at your comp. And it is a fight out there, right? Like it is a war, but you don't have to lose on just base salary alone. I think that you have a lot more tools in your, what is it? Bag? Toolkit. Toolkit. You have a lot more to offer. In you your bag to, too. That was yes, not good. And I, I think to get, yeah, so people don't get discouraged, right? I think that's the thing is they think, well, I just can't afford to do this. And when we really sit down and talk about it, they can. And we just have to build out, you know, a package that still aligns within their values and feels right with them. But there's so many advantages that our labsters have that I think that they're, you know, not thinking about. Again, it's not all compensation. Yeah. So think about creative ways and how we incorporate that. I think that's what you do really well, too, to brag on you for a minute. I think it's hard to do that introspective look and think about why am I awesome? Mm, yes. So having someone like you, like you have conversations with people and you're able to pull out of them why they're awesome. And sometimes people don't even realize like, oh, I thought everybody did that. And you're able to say, no, that's that's your special sauce. Let's highlight and promote that. So I think yes. that's where you really add to the conversation is helping people realize what that special sauce is and then package it in a really fun way that allows them to compete. Yeah. Thank you. I enjoy that because there, there are so many special things. <laughs> I'm like, no one else can be you. So let's, you know, talk about it. Yeah. I love that. All right, Mary Ellen, thanks for such great advice and coming into the new year. I'm sure we'll be back again because I'm, I mean, this is probably not going away. It's just going to keep shifting. Yes. Thanks, Steph. It's always, always a pleasure. The Lawyerist podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller and edited by Ryan Croft. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discussed here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the small firm roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com slash community slash lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by the participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.